All right, we are in week eight. How many people have been here all eight weeks? All right, I haven't either. I can't raise my hand. I was gone last week. But this is a 12-week series. Now, I can't remember the last time at Alpine we did a 12-week series, but this is an important series because this, the pursuit, is what we're all about. And if you want to know what we're all about, you can go through this pursuit series. There's 12 topics, and we turned each topic into a sermon each week. But if you've missed any, you can go to pursuegod.go, and you can look at a quick video about a seven to anywhere from five to like eight or nine minute video. That's the teaching points. There's conversations that questions that you can talk with one another, either a mentor or as families. But this is really what a pursuit of God looks like. We have been working on this for 20 years. And about 10 years ago, things started really to become clear with us. But what this pursuit is really is what we're all about. And today in lesson eight, We're going to be looking at everything we need to be godly. God is going to express and share with us through his word how we can be honoring to God as we live our lives. But I also want to give you this image because this image is also a simple way to explain to somebody what a pursuit of God looks like. And you can narrow it down to these three truths. So all of the topics, all the 12 topics that we've gone through are right here in this diagram with these arrows that are making the shape of a circle. And really, our relationship starts when we put our trust in Jesus. And then right after that, we now live lives that are honoring to God. And the last part of that circle is what many churches come up short. Almost every church would say, yes, we are a disciple-making church. But are you actually making disciples? Are you actually the congregation and everyone involved, and just not from the pastor, from the pastor throughout the whole leadership team, throughout everybody who comes, Are we a church that are making disciples? Now, here's what's so incredible. Two weeks ago, I was here. Last week, I was on vacation, and I saw the hands that were raised, and so many people have put their faith and trust in Jesus, and that's that first arrow. And if that is you, congratulations, you are now a child of God. And that's the most important decision we have to make in life is our response to Jesus. And then last week, we started really in the second arrow, that honoring God, because one of the first ways you can be honoring to God by obeying and doing what he says is getting baptized, because that's a commandment from Jesus. He says, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I love this 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's where that born-again Christian phrase comes from. There's this old life that Scripture talks about, and that's before we know Jesus. But at the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus, it says we have a new life. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, this new life that God has for us. And I'm going to say this. When I came to faith almost somewhere around 25 years ago, I can remember the day, but I don't remember the date. I'm a man. I'm very forgetful. But I can remember, man, I needed this lesson. I needed this topic because I came to faith, and I was a little bit confused of what was next. And I'll get kind of more into that. So as we are looking at how we are going to be able to live lives that are honoring to God, I want us to see this image. Here's this three-legged stool. And it's important for a three-legged stool. Yes, they do exist. Most stools have four. 
But if you have three legs, you take out one of those legs, that stool cannot stand on two legs. So it's just important to know that this three-legged stool is a lot like if we are going to be honoring God, we're going to be looking at three truths that God is going to give us that we need to be able to do all three of these truths together just like a three-legged stool. And in 2 Peter, it says this. This is encouraging. Verses 1 through 3, it says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. So a couple weeks ago, it was important we walked through what did Jesus do for us. And by all his work on the cross, and giving his life for us. We didn't do anything. Jesus plus nothing is one of our t-shirts. God did everything to make it possible that we could be made right with him. And that is so important to understand because that's getting Jesus right, that he's fully God and understanding that salvation comes from him, but we don't add anything to it. In the same way, if you're sitting going here, man, I know it's hard to honor God with my life. Well, the good news is that God, again, has given you everything thing you need to make this possible. So here's kind of the, the, first, the first leg that we're going to be talking about. Everything we need for a godly life is God's spirit. In 1 Peter 1-2, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy, it says. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I can remember coming to faith, and this is where I was a little bit confused. I was a little bit confused because I woke up the next day. So I remember we were meeting in the gym floor. I was doing the sinner's prayer, looking down at the parquet basketball court and with all the painted lines, and it was awesome, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And then the next week came, it was a gospel series. This was a gospel church that really focused. They almost always included the gospel at the end of every message, and it just really connected to me at that time. But see, that Monday morning came, and I put my pants on one leg at a time, like I've always have. I got in my truck, and I had a two-and-a-half-hour commute, which is not good. This is down around L.A. Now, I probably only cursed out about half the people on that Monday. I'm a new, I'm a new person. But I was like, okay, that car really frustrated me there. And I was like, okay, let me... So next Sunday came. Let me fast forward. Just in case... This is what I did. Just in case I was wrong in something I did or said or didn't have the right heart, I was like, I better say this sinner's prayer again. Pastor, just like the week before, prayed that sinner's prayer. So two weeks in a row, I was like, God, you're perfect. This is not on you. If anything, it's on me. And again, I wasn't real clear about, you know, all the details I was making as far as I knew Jesus died on the cross. I knew that I was a sinner and I put my faith and trust in him. But that week didn't feel much different. And so I just did it again. And because I didn't have really all the knowledge of what happens and what happens after you come to faith, and so I was kind of stuck there on my own, so I did. I started doing some research. I got into God's word. It was good for me. But this is what God is promising you. At the moment you come to faith, because you have been cleansed by the blood of Christ, because you had that moment in your life that you put your, your trust in Jesus Christ for what he did on the cross, he says, I am going to give you my spirit. Now that could be intimidating for some people because the triune God, we have God the Father who initiated the plan. We have the Son who accomplished salvation 
and now how we are going to honor our lives. We have the power of God dwelling in us. And I, don't know, I know that many of you are like, whoa, God dwells in me? Because it's messy up in here. <laughs> it is messy up in here. And God's coming into me? Well, I got news for you. We're all messy in here. And that's why he puts himself in us. He says, you can't live this honoring God life without me. You have to have me. There are going to be things that you cannot face or experience or get through on your own willpower, on your might, on your strength, on your knowledge. You need me. And I love how Ephesians continues to emphasize this. In, verses, in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. Now let's look at that promise long ago in Ezekiel. And he says this, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I think many people sometimes come to faith and they don't know all these scriptures a lot like I did and they haven't really learned what it meant that next phase after you come to faith is God wants you to be honoring to him in his life and to understanding how this spirit, this divine God who dwells in us, again, he made us holy by putting his spirit in us. We do not make ourselves holy. The holy is set apart. God is a holy God because he is set apart from us, but he puts himself in us so that we can accomplish things that we would not be able to accomplish on our own willpower. Have you ever been in a position maybe dealing with some sin or just, you know, whatever that, that stronghold is in your life and you said, I just need to try harder, you will fail. You will fail. When you take the reins out of God's leading, out of God's hands, and we do, are no longer dependent upon God for everything that we face, including our shortcomings, there are things that we cannot do on our own power, on our own strength. God says, I, you are going to face trials in life. You're going to need me. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be sinful desires that you have even after you come to faith because Jesus didn't come to eradicate our sin. It's not like he erased it. We still struggle with this until that, that day we die. And then there is going to be a time where there is not any more sin. Amen for that. That's the inheritance that scripture is talking about that God promised us. That someday in heaven, yes, we are going to be in this perfect relationship with God. But till that point, while we live here on earth, we're still going to have these temptations. Paul talks about it. Be careful. Do not go back to those bad habits, he says. And when you're helping someone else who's in a sinful state, do not get caught up into that sin. And he's talking to believers here. And it's important to understand that just like in chapter 3, we looked at this earlier in our pursuit. God gives us choice. God gives us choice. And just like Adam and Eve gave them a choice. He said, you can freely eat from any of these trees over here. Just don't eat from this one. Well, as believers, we still have choice. 
And the choice we have to make, are we going to follow ourselves? That's that sinful state. Those temptations that cause us to fall back into those bad habits that die hard. Or are we going to follow and be in step with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit gives us the power. The Holy Spirit brings words to us when we communicate. When we're yielding to the Spirit's leading. When we're in step with the Spirit. Now we are living those honoring God lives that God has planned for us. Because we're depending on the Spirit. If we didn't have any sin anymore, like if it was erased, there would really be no need for God. We'd be perfect somehow in some way. Now, that's not possible. I'm just saying that's why we still need to depend on God daily. On God daily. And allowing the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, and self-control, I love how it gives all of these, these important attributes about the fruits of the Spirit and it brings in self-control. It's so important to understand it's this, the Holy Spirit and the part of the fruits of the Spirit when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. When we're in step with the Holy Spirit, then we can accomplish self-control. But if you're on your own and you're trying to battle that self-control in the midst of sin, Satan's got you. That's his mission. But Satan wants to seek, kill, and destroy. But Jesus goes, hey, I've come so that you could have a rich and satisfying life. And that rich and satisfying life is talking about right here. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and we have the ability now to live a life that is honoring to God. So that first leg is God's spirit. Here's the second leg, God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says it like this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, a little spoiler alert, we're going to look at five spiritual disciplines next week and one of those disciplines is Bible study and reading and studying God's word. But I love 2 Timothy. I just want to point out some of the useful things that God's word, what God is telling us, these are useful things for us with his word. It teaches us what is true. Like when we're looking for truth in this world, the truth of this world is right here. Now there's truth about culture and there's truth about God. And they contradict each other. Culture has always and will always contradict God's word. Now, there might be a few little similarities here and there, but understanding we come into this world, we do not know God's truth. What we are going to be influenced by is the culture first, even from small little children. And I see how our children are being influenced by our culture in today's day and age. They need God's truth. So it teaches us what is wrong in our lives. It's like a spotlight. This is what's wrong in your life. And it realizes, and it helps us correct. And when we're wrong, it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare, equip. So it teaches, prepares, equips. And the reason why it equips us is for us to be able to be in line with the Spirit to allow God to do work in and through us. Now, I'm, I can remember in, in my, before ministry, 
worked in a, I was an installer and I had all these tools. And I needed all these tools because if you don't have the right tools, you can't get the job done. And there was many times we had this van and we'd, you know, worked in and out of the shop and we'd do a lot of preparation in the shop before we'd go to the job site. Then we'd load everything back in the van and head to the job site. And I don't know how many times we got to the job site, unloaded the details, what we were going to install. It's like, oh man, my drills are plugged into the corner of the shop. I'm shut down. I either got to call mom or dad, it's a family business, have one of them drive it out to me, or I got to get in the van, get there, get it, and get it back. Why? Because I can't do the job without the right tools. Like, I'm not about to screw all these screws in with a screwdriver like the olden days. I can't do it. I need it. But this is what God has done. He said, my, my children, I give you this tool. This tool is going to help you through life. This tool is going to guide you along with knowing what to do and what not to do. Now again, our relationship with God is not about a bunch of following a bunch of rules, but as Father and we are His children, He has given us these healthy boundaries. And that's the do's and the don'ts. This is what's good for you because of my love for you. This is what's bad for you, so I don't want you to engage in this. I don't want you to enter into this. And then all the relationships that He blesses us, this is how I want you to be. This is how I want you to act. And when something very important about culture comes up and it divides countries and it divides people, look to my word because this is useful and it teaches us what is true and what is not. Look to my word. And so many people, I believe in this day and age, and studies kind of prove this, at least for those who fill out those forums or those you know, questionnaires, they're just not getting into God's word. And it's becoming more and more difficult to talk to God's word to people, workforce, schools. I mean, that, it's just more challenging. But here's what I'm saying. <laughs> On Sunday mornings here, knowing that your kids are coming, they are going to hear about God's truth. Amen. You get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. And we'll talk more about that in the next point. My encouragement is when we as followers of Christ are not aligning our words with God's truth, it just damages the kingdom of God. It just does damage. And I always harp on Facebook, and yes, I'm that old guy. I do have a Facebook page. I share it with my wife, and already goes like judgment, like, oh, two people sharing? Yeah, I barely can keep up with my text thread in Gmail. I don't need somebody messaging me on that because I am not going to be able to handle that. But my heart breaks. Over these last several months, my heart has just been broken that it is clear that many followers of Christ who are posting things on Facebook just don't know what God's truth says about it. It's true. So before you post anything, just double check it. You know, gotquestions.org is a great resource. We have the, any Bible verse at our, at our expense at just any moment of just typing it in. Just check it because it's important to get God's truth right. And this is how Jesus says it. He puts so much value on the Bible. Here's how he says it in Luke. Luke 6, 46 and 48. This is what Jesus says. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. 
when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. So he's first saying, look, many of you are not, you're calling me Lord, Lord, but you're not following what I'm communicating through my word to you. You're not listening. You're not obeying my commands. You know, several weeks ago we talked about one of our expressions of love to God is when we listen and obey his commands. That's what Jesus is kind of getting here. And when you do that, you have this solid foundation. You are now equipped because now you've got the spirit dwelling in you. You are now equipped to experience whatever life throws at you. It is incredible to me to be in a situation, to be in hospitals, and I've been a part of this in, in several occasions. And there's a young lady right now that's going through some challenges just in our youth ministry, and I, and I just see her strength in God. That foundation of what Jesus is talking about here. And sometimes the news is bad. I've been a part of some family conversations that they had to pull the plug from their children there was an 18-year-old guy that was in a car accident, and it wasn't good. And I knew mom and dad were a believer, and I was trying to get information. And so the Leighton Hospital, or sorry, uh, the one before that off of Antelope, called me, Davis. And they said, hey, can you come? You're a local pastor. We have a family in need. And I drove right down. And to be there with this family that's wrestling now, they were believers, and they did have this hope. Still couldn't really find out the details about their son, but that decision, hey, the doc says not gonna, he's not going to make it. So in a couple hours, we're going to pull the plug and we're going to say goodbye to our son. In situations like that, you need this kind of foundation. We're all going to experience loss. Hopefully that it's in a way that, you know, as we would, you know, design it up and out, you know, our, you know, we pass before our kids pass, but that's not always the case. There's a family in this service that's always been heavy on my heart for years because it was a tragedy that, but again, their faith, their strength in the Lord, it's, it's what we need in those times. And those, yes, are the drastic times, but that's what Jesus is getting at here. No matter what you face, doesn't mean you're not going to be sad. It doesn't mean you're not going to express loss. It is going to hurt. It is going to be painful, but that's those stages of grief. And know that we got a great a great grief group here, if you know somebody that's in that time where they can come and be loved on and help walk through that, that season of life because it's difficult. I'm not saying there's anything easy about this. But what Jesus is getting at here is like, when you have my understanding of my word and you're following what it says and you're allowing the Spirit's leading in your life, amen, you will be able to face any and every storm any and all storms. And that's my hope for all of us. So the second leg is God's word. And here's the third leg, God's people. When we come to faith, God says we need a new community, people around us. And I love in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, it starts to talk about a little bit of how we're supposed to be with one another. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you are, who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. We're to be helpful with one another. Again, none of, no one in this room is perfect. 
And we're all going to slip. We're all going to stumble. And what God says is we are to gently and humbly humble ourselves before we do it because we're not perfect. Speak truth and love with this person. Help this person back on the right path. Now, I got this visual. Back in the 70s, I don't know what was going on in the church, but there was a lot of this in Christianity. (laughs) This is not how we do things. This is not going to be receptive. You should do this, this, this. Do not do that. What God says is humble yourself. And with gentleness, again, allowing the fruits of the Spirit, patience, love, communicate love and truth to help them. God is going to use you. He's going to work through you, through the Holy Spirit, talking to them to help them back on the right path. We need that support. We need that community. He also says you're supposed to share in each other's burdens. You know, some burdens are heavy. I love this visual. Like if you are going to walk along somebody, the scenario that they are in, man, you better get ready. You better plant yourself with two feet. You better grip down because that burden's heavy. And if you're going to help carry that burden, you need to position yourself to be able to do it. But that's the role that God has for us. Some burdens are a little bit lighter. But to walk with one another. A lot of people, you know, seek isolation. So for all you introverts out there, I'm an introvert and I like isolation. But I know that that's not God's plan for me. A lot of people will say, well, the mountains, the mountains where I connect with God. Or, you know, I go out on a, a long hike or a long walk or a long bike ride, and you know, that's when I connect to God. And you can connect in God in those areas, but that's not going to replace the church community because church is not the facility. It's you. It's me. We make up the church. It's about the believers. We always say, hey, we're going to go up to the church, and I don't think that really helps us. I say it myself too because now we are driving up to the location. Now, this is where the church comes to congregate. But the church is you guys. It's the community of believers. And what God is saying is, I I have these plans for you. You're going to be with one another. You're going to help one another carry each other's burdens. You can't be in isolation and follow all God's commands about the one another verses. Love one another. Carry one another's burdens. The list goes on. And it's important to understand, in isolation, we can't fully honor God. Because there's a community that he has for us. And then the great commission of helping people pursue God, of making disciples, we can't help people make disciples. We can't love on people. We can't share details about the truth. We can't help people who have just come to faith to understand these three legs that they need to have now, that they need to be focused on, to pray about, to allow the spirits leading in their lives. I needed this that next Sunday. Didn't get it. I said the sinner's prayer just for confirmation. But see, we come together, I love right now, in Kids Church, again, all the teachers that are serving right now, are being used by God in this capacity, the community that he has planned for us, to be a part of helping people pursue God. I look back, his name was Dan Boggs. He's the first person in my life that really was concerned about my salvation Looking back now, I I can see how he worked. I didn't really understand all the details at the time. He never said those words. But looking back, man, did he pour into me. And did he try to involve me in so many things that were going to be good for me. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because it's in that moment. It was in that season 
that I was open to hearing more about God. I had a child. Now this life was just not about me. And I was seeking. I was seeking God. And I, he helped me to understand some of those basic details about what Jesus did on the cross, which I kind of already knew from Sunday school stories. So amen for that influence in my life as well. But I look back at Dan. I was like, thank you, Dan, for pouring into me. He cared enough about me to do that. And see, that's what God's community is all about. It's about, yes, walking with other believers and helping us live through life together, small groups, mentoring relationships. There's so much value in those because they're going to help us through life. But then also reaching out to those that do not know Jesus yet because the most important decision we have in life is all about life and death, and Jesus leads to life. Eternal separation from Jesus leads to death, and that is not good for anyone. And the unfortunate thing about Scripture, it tells us that number is greater than those who believe in Jesus. So what that should do to us, Alpine, is put a fire in our hearts of evangelism to share. I know I have several non-believing neighbors around me, and I'm trying to connect. I'm doing everything I can from talking about the dead grass in our front yards, using that. Like, how can I use that, God, to connect, to open the door? They know I'm a pastor. How, 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 how can God use us to reach more people? That's what this community is all about. And we need this new community even as followers of Christ. So let's recap today. Everything we need for a godly life, and it all comes from God. We need God's spirit. We need God's word. And we need God's people. Because by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a living and godly life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful again for, for you, that you did not leave us stranded here first to deal with our sin problem, Lord. That because of your love, your unfailing, unconditional love, your perfect love for us, you spared us all the pain. We didn't deserve it because you died for us. You came to die for the punishment that we deserve for our sin, Lord. And so we celebrate you. We worship you because this life that we have is all from you. We're so grateful. But then even after we come to faith, God, you just don't say, hey, good luck. You give us everything we need. You know what we need because you're the all-knowing, perfect God. And my hope today is that we would hear this message, Lord, your, your truth, and we would respond. What would our days look like, Lord, if we started off each day saying, God, thank you for today. I pray through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit that you would guide me that I am going to be intentional about being in step with the Spirit, even in my staff meetings, even at the difficult times throughout the day, even when it's just trying to rustle up all the kids and the stress that that brings. Lord, may the fruits of the Spirit work through me. God, that would transform our world, Lord. And so that's my prayer for us here today, Lord, that we would wake up tomorrow Say, God, thank you for today. 
Lord, I'm going to yield to your leading. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me through today. If I have a long commute, Lord, may you watch my words. Through the Holy Spirit's self-control, Lord, give me the ability to love on that person that just cut me off. It is possible, Lord, because you have given us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. And I do pray as a community, Lord, that we'd be more effective. I, I pray that for the rest of this year and as we get into the year 2023, Lord, that you would continue to work in the West Haven and through the West Haven campus, drawing families to you, having people understand the truth about your love, about your sacrifice, and then about your life that you have for us, this rich and satisfying life. I pray this in a mighty way that people would come, lives would be transformed, people would come to know you, Lord, and we as a community would love on them and help them and mentor them and point them to you. Oh, God, you're so good. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this season as we're going through the pursuit. Thank you that you saved so many people that had raised their hands for the first time accepting you as their Lord and Savior, Lord. This is an exciting season to be a part of what God, you, you are doing. And we give you praise and thanks for that. We exalt you, we celebrate you, we worship you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.